today is summer, and it's a great pleasure to have Patrick Brown here from EPFL. Patrick's very well known in the networking community, particularly in the theory and in networking. And everything from Max Plus Alphabus to 80211 to percolation in particular, that people know for him recently as well. Um, so it's a real pleasure to have uh, Patrick here, and he's going to talk to us today about reaching consensus on health problems. So thank you very much for coming. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, Ken and Dirk for inviting me uh, in Sunny Island. We don't have blue skies like this in, in Switzerland uh, for a long time. I think it's the two uh, most beautiful days I have I spent uh, so far in 2012. So what I'm going to present uh, today is uh, uh, some recent work we have been doing. Uh, mainly the main author is, is uh, Florence Benezit, uh, who did her PhD thesis on the topic uh, before going uh, uh, in uh, Trek, uh, working with François Bacelli and now with uh, Orange Labs. Uh, together with uh, Martin Vettelli, who is dean at the school, uh, and myself. And then various pieces are with the co-authors, Vincent Blondel, John Tsitsiklis uh, for one part, Alex Dimakis for another part, and uh, Patrick Denant uh, uh, for a third part. So what I'm going to uh, uh, speak about, this seems to be that. All right. Okay. Ah, voilà. Okay. So, uh, is essentially, a, it's a problem uh, which has received quite a lot of attention uh, in the recent year, actually, which was started by Tsitsiklis. And the problem is very simple, actually. It's uh, so simple that you wonder why it's worth uh, studying it. But it's, it's a kind of a canonical problem for uh, a broad class of distributed uh, processing that you would like to do <coughs> in some network. And so the problem is essentially the one of distributed averaging. So you have a network. Think of it, for example, as a sensor network, where each of the nodes has an initial measurement. <coughs> so for example, temperature, these are represented in blue in the different circle here. And what you would like at the end of having run your distributed average algorithm is that every node has the uh, average temperature over the whole network in as it state instead of the initial temperature. So it's just uh, that problem itself. And so every node wants to access the global average, so essentially the sum of the initial value uh, divided by n if I have n nodes in this setting. Now, this is a trivial problem uh, if it is centralized. So, of course, the constraints is that you want to have a distributed and localized algorithm uh, to compute these averages. Otherwise, you would have something which is too simple to do. And so, as I say, it's something that you have, it's, it's, it's a canonical problem as a representative or more complex problem that you would find in distributed estimation or detection, in synchronization, uh, in, in a lot of different systems where uh, these decisions are usually local and uh, distributed, but where you would like to achieve some global uh, computation. Okay, and there are many, many uh, authors who have worked on this, uh, by no way do I claim this to be complete. Uh, it has been started by John Tsitsiklis, uh, but since then there have been plenty of, uh, of, uh, of papers, and these are only some of uh, the authors who have worked on this topic. Okay, what I am going to cover in this seminar is during the first uh, 
two-thirds, three-fourths, uh, um, what we call average consensus algorithms. So here, essentially, I will speak of gossip algorithm. So these are algorithms where nodes wake up asynchronously, talk to their neighbor or to some particular node in the, in the network, and exchange their data with each other. Now, there are very few, I mean, there is a large class of algorithms that you could think of, and actually very few have been studied so, <coughs> so far. What I'm going to focus is a lot on, on the challenges uh, that are still to date uh, in the analysis of such, uh, such algorithms. And in particular, we are very far still to have a complete mastery of how to design good symmetric gossip algorithms, that is, algorithms that would compute the average quickly uh, uh, in a fast, uh, in a fast uh, manner, and I will just go over that. And then I will finish by going beyond symmetric gossip, which is very difficult um, to, but, uh, but has, uh, is, uh, according to us, one of the most interesting problems. And then I'll spend the last part of the talk on uh, a related problem, which is voting. It's almost the same as gossip, except that in gossip, the states are analog, if you want. They're continuous valued. And in voting, uh, essentially, I heard there's a referendum in, in, in two days. You cannot express a sentiment of you know, agreement, full agreement, pretty good agreement. It's essentially a one zero. So uh, if you have similar algorithm running with states that are just zero and one, you would like to find the majority, say, of the vote, but again, in a distributed fashion. And uh, this is something which is difficult, actually, uh, if you're in the synchronized setting, it has been proven that no cellular automata can reach with probability one for every uh, initial condition the right majority vote. So we'll see how to, to do that with a minimum amount of communication and memory. So if you have log n bits that you can transmit between pairs of nodes, then essentially it's a quantized version of the previous one which has been studied by Shrikant uh, and his co-author, and there you, you will converge well, but we'll see that we can have a number of bits in the memory and communication which doesn't scale with n and still have the correct majority vote with a distributed asynchronous uh, setting. Okay, so uh, I'll start with the first part, so the continuous part. So here, uh, essentially, these are the references. I would like to mention also the, if you want to see a, a tutorial on uh, gossip algorithm, uh, there is one in the in this series, Foundation of Trends in Networking by Devavacha, who is uh, very comprehensive and, and, and gives a very good view of, uh, of the field. So the problem is as follows. So I want to have an iterative algorithm. Essentially, I'll take a linear uh, algorithm to make my, my life uh, easier. But as you can see, the uh, matrix W, which is the weight matrix, so I will compute the state uh, by linear uh, iterations. As you see, x of t will depend on x of t minus 1, but w of t will, in general, be time uh, varying. Otherwise, it would be simple. So it's linear, distributed. And uh, the goal is that every node uh, reaches the average. There are two classes. The first one, the easiest one, uh, that I will just mention for the sake of completeness, is the case where this weight matrix is uh, deterministic and time constant. In this case, it's going to be very easy to study because it's a simple linear system. Uh, this, is <coughs> this is the case where you would have a synchronous 
algorithm, all nodes are synchronized and then update uh, their uh, value uh, synchronously. Now, in many cases, you don't have that setting. Two reasons. The first one, maybe just because the network itself does not allow the nodes to be tightly synchronized because you have some links that go up and down if it is a wireless network. But even more importantly, what you might have is that you have different clocks running on the, the nodes, and nodes wake up, exchange some data with their neighbors, completely independently from all the other nodes. And in this case, you have an asynchronous algorithm. You have a random matrix W of T, because which nodes wake up and exchange data with its neighbors is just given by these, these random clocks. And so in this case, uh, we have something which is more interesting to analyze, because W of T is a random uh, time-varying matrix. So to re one slide about the deterministic case. So if W is deterministic, what you would like or you're interested in is the difference between the state vector at time t and uh, the vector where all the entries are just the average uh, and you would like this error to decrease. This has been uh, studied, so the convergence uh, two of this error to zero uh, is in short if, well, you have these three conditions. The first one is that essentially uh, the consensus, so the consensus means that all the states have the same value, is a fixed point solution. That's clear that we need that <coughs> in, order, <coughs> in order to have convergence. The second one is that you want to be sure that the consensus is on the average, and so uh, it's actually necessary and sufficient to preserve the average through the iteration, otherwise you might have consensus to value, which is the same for every node, which might not be the global average. And the third one is um, the, the fact that you want to have convergence, and so that the largest eigenvalue in magnitude, so the spectral radius of the matrix W, uh, the weight matrix minus uh, the matrix where all entries are equal to 1 over n uh, is strictly less than 1. And so in this case, uh, Stephen Boyd and Xiao have proven that it always converges. Now, what is more difficult, of course, is when you have an asynchronous algorithm. So in this case, we are going to do exactly the same thing. But since W of t is no random matrix, we have a convergence uh, of, of random variables, so we have an almost true convergence, and the first conditions that were given, that are sufficient conditions uh, for almost true and in mean square convergence, are almost the same, so you see the two first ones exactly the same as before, and the last one is that these matrices W of T are ID, and that the, and here there's a technical condition, the second uh, eigenvalue uh, in magnitude, the first one being uh, 1, uh, will be strictly less than 1, but for the expected value of W transpose times W. And this matrix, in general, is something uh, which is not easy to compute, except in some particular cases, as we are going to see, and that's why we are going to see that one particular class is particularly popular. We found alternative sufficient conditions. Actually, some of these conditions can be relaxed. We don't have necessary and sufficient condition yet, so it's, it's only sets of, of sufficient conditions. Typically, you don't need W of T to be ID, but you want to be sure that every node connects infinitely often to the network. Otherwise, if it doesn't connect infinitely often, 
uh, uh, get isolated and, and of course you will not have to, to have these things. And what replaces these conditions here is that you have a contracting matrix and you can weaken the ID by stationary or ergodic matrices. Now let's see some particular gossip algorithm. The most well-known one is the pairwise ne nearest neighbor uh, gossip. Essentially, that's a gossip where two nodes wake up at random time, or one node wake up at random time, contacts one of its neighbor, and both nodes exchange their, their states. So here, for example, these two nodes, one of these two nodes contact each other, and at the next iteration, both will have 2.5, as this is the uh, mutual average between the two nodes here. Same one here, 2 and 5 will compute, and so on and so on. It, except so that the nodes that wake up are just uh, randomly picked. So the matrix W of T uh, is easy to find. It's essentially you have one half for the two entries corresponding to the nodes that wake up, and zero and ones uh, if you're off the diagonal on the diagonal for all the uh, other nodes. Another one uh, essentially that you can generalize is instead of taking only two nodes, you can take a subset S of T of nodes, which is again randomly uh, driven, and uh, simply compute the average uh, of all the states for these uh, S of T uh, nodes. And then you have again something which, where the matrices W of T are symmetric uh, and actually have good properties. So they are symmetric projection matrices. So they are symmetric and uh, projection matrices, so if you multiply them, you will get uh, back the same uh, matrix. And that helps a lot for this class of algorithm. Why? Because the second condition here boils down to computing the um, second largest eigenvalues of uh, the expected uh, value of W and not W transpose times W. And so it, it's, it's a simplification. Uh, this is much easier to compute for many algorithms than this thing here. Uh, and so that's why most of the algorithm belongs to this class. There are very few work and almost none done for other averaging algorithms than the one where under some form you can recast the update equations uh, as, as an equations where you uh, average uh, the value on the different nodes here. And so the question is what is the speed of convergence? So, Sufficient conditions for convergence are uh, e relatively easy to, to obtain. Characterizing the speed of convergence is more difficult. And actually, there are two different metrics with both the advantages and disadvantages that I'm going to explain just here. So we know it converges to zero. And the most usual metric which is used is a, a kind of a delta epsilon uh, notion. So essentially, uh, it's, it's you, you, you compute the time by which you, the probability that your error uh, is still delta uh, above <coughs> the norm of your uh, initial condition is less than epsilon. And that's what we call the delta epsilon average in time, which is the metric proposed uh, by Stephen Boyd in his co-authors. And then there is another metric, uh, which we call here consensus time, uh, where essentially we look at the rate at which the error term decreases with time. So uh, the advantage of the second one is a priori it could be a stochastic term because the first one is a probabilistic one for sure but this thing here epsilon is a random variable. Actually you can prove that uh, under the condition for convergence 
uh, essentially using uh, uh, some uh, Lyapunov uh, techniques, uh, this TC, this consensus time, will become, uh, is with probability one, a deterministic constant, and so can be computed uh, relatively easily. So this is something that you can compute uh, on the different graph. You see that, uh, and even if you do it in different norms, you have the same uh, slope, so it's, uh, it's, it's, it's robust against uh, different slopes. You have that after some transient, essentially you have a decrease which is uh, exponentially fast for this error with a slope equal to one uh, over this consensus time. Now, when do you want to use uh, which metrics and wh what are the, the advantages, disadvantages of, of each of them? The first one uh, is something where you can prove things, uh, you can find estimate for symmetric gossip algorithm, which are really estimates, whereas the other one gives you only bounds. But the case where you can work well with the first one is a case where you pick delta equal to epsilon. So there are some in the proof that you rarely have results with delta different than epsilon. Essentially, you need to have only uh, one of them. <laughs> Uh, whereas the consensus time uh, is difficult to estimate theoretically, but you can find uh, uh, tight bounds on, on the values of these ones. The first one characterizes both transient and steady states. Essentially, you start from an initial condition and wait uh, the time uh, that you need to have in order to have the probability of the error more than delta uh, times the, the, the size of your initial condition. And so it characterizes both the transient and steady state. The other one characterizes only the steady state. So you forget about the, the transient. Of course, the steady state is the long part. As you saw in the previous simulation, the error drops very quickly and then very slowly to reach the, the end. So it's the, the, the slow part of the processes that is uh, taken. The first one is a probabilistic bound. So essentially, uh, uh, whereas the other one is a deterministic rate. The most important thing, and actually what prompted us to, to look for this consensus time, was simulations. We wanted to simulate different algorithms. And the first one is convenient to use in proofs, but it's difficult to assess in simulations. The reason is that for the first uh, for the first um, for the first metric here, you need to take the soup for all the initial conditions, which means for a simulation that essentially you need to simulate many uh, different initial conditions, and that makes the simulation heavy. Whereas this one, since it's a deterministic uh, rate, you need to run very few simulations. I mean, every simulation will finally settle to that rate. When I say every one of them, that's not true, unfortunately it's not always equal to the slope. And for example, and so that's, if I take this network here, I have a network of four nodes, they're all connected. And if I run the algorithm where I have, for example, these two exchanging their data, these two, these two, and these two, you see that in a finite time, I have converged to a perfect consensus. I stop here. So there are some cases Typically, when uh, I have typically a power of two nodes, then there is always a finite subsequence of waiting matrices. So the weight matrix is essentially who wakes up that will bring the error to zero in a finite time t. So in this case, 
this consensus time, it's deterministic, but it's, it, 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 it's, it's something that essentially uh, <coughs> have a rate that becomes infinite, so, uh, so the, the TC is going to zero, because in a finite time, you reach this. In general, that's the only examples we have uh, found, uh, actually it was found first by uh, Fanelli Zampieri, to, to happen. We didn't find any other case, but we cannot exclude that there are other cases where you have this convergence. Yes. It's not, not a desirable property. Ah yeah, no, no. That's in this case, of course, it's it's going to be very fast. Uh, it's a desirable property, but the thing we don't know to. That's what your TC is capturing. It's saying the exponential rate is effectively plus infinity, right? So yeah. So, or, you know, yeah. So, but so it's doing exactly the right thing. It's oh here yes, but it's the only case where it stops suddenly. Right. If you take, for example, five nodes. It, exactly, it converges. So that's why we have only upper bound and not estimation of the TC. If we could have an estimation of the TC, then, but the difficulty of finding. So what the what we found is that there very quickly con, a quick concentration around the, this deterministic value. So they're, they're very, but there are some particular cases, and as a theoretical object, I think it's not easy to to analyze because of, of such properties. I mean, the, the computing the estimate of TC is difficult. So it's easy to simulate and, and it's, a, it's, it's really the, the constant that matters in driving the process, but it's, 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 there are some, some strange things that, that, can, that can happen. For example, it's an open, I mean, can you have something that ends suddenly in other scenarios than this ones? I don't know. We haven't found such cases, but I don't know if that, that, that can happen. So, <coughs> if I pick delta epsilon is equal to 1 over n, and I have a symmetric gossip algorithm, the nice thing is that in, for both metrics, essentially, I can find here an estimation, so if I replace delta epsilon by 1 over the number of own, which shows that this averaging time decreases as log of n divided by 1 minus the second eigenvalue in magnitude of the expected weight matrix, and an upper bound of the consensus time has exactly the same shape, at least modulo the factor log n here, but essentially what matters is the second eigenvalue of the expected weight matrix. So what we are going to study next is the, the value of this second eigenvalue, because that's what drives essentially an upper bound or even an estimate on the averaging time. So this is the first one. Now, what happens, of course, is the time, but there is a way to cheat, of course, is that if you take the pairwise algorithm, you have only two nodes, two neighbors, exchanging data with each other. If I have a more general symmetric gossip algorithm, I might have S of T nodes waking up, exchanging the data, and anyone in communication knows that there is more energy spent with the S of T nodes communicating with each other than just with two nodes. So to have a metric which, is, uh, which accounts <coughs> for that, we have multiplied the averaging time or the consensus time with uh, the expected number of messages sent per iteration to make a fair, a fair uh, comparison between the two. And we are going to use the averaging time because we have a, an estimate here. So essentially, the question will be how do these two costs behave when I have large, uh, a large number of nodes 
for a gossip algorithm over random geometric graph or, or lattices. And so we need to compute an upper bound on this second eigenvalue, and we are going to be able to do that thanks to a technique by Diaconis and Stroke, which was from 91. There are different bounds. There's conductance bounds, and that's the bound. And I'm going to explain how we use it. It's a very convenient tool to design, uh, I think, algorithm as well, essentially, to apply to this stochastic matrix. So it's called the Poincaré inequality. So here, I am interested in this matrix P, which is the expected value of W of T. It's a matrix which, if you remember, has, uh, is a stochastic matrix because uh, it has one as an eigenvector. And actually, in the algorithm I have, one, the old one vector, is a left and right eigenvector of this matrix. It's a doubly stochastic matrix. So <coughs> since it's a doubly stochastic matrix, it could be a transition matrix of a Markov chain where the stationary probability vector would be all 1 over n for the entire vector here. So I always have that this matrix P satisfies that, uh, that equation uh, just before. And what I am going to, to do is essentially I have my random graph. And on top of that, I'm going to think of uh, the way exchanges of data occur in the network as an overlay graph that has exactly the same nodes, but with some edges that are overlay edges, a little bit like if you had an IP layer on top of a physical layer of fibers, essentially the IP links would, would cross over the, the, the network, uh, and the, the, the the overlay graph has an overlay edge if and only if the element of in the matrix, uh, which I'll call P, uh, the expected weight uh, matrix of the, the weight, the expected of the weight matrices, matrix is uh, non-zero between nodes K and L. And from that, I can form a path from I to G and I compute this quantity, which is somehow a conductance over the path as the sum of so the source of the, of the path is node i, the destination is j, and I compute the sum for all the edges on this overlay path of the element pij multiplied by the pi for all the different elements here. And once I've done that, there is a so-called Poincaré coefficient, which is the sum here pi, pj are equal to 1 over n, so essentially is the sum of these values here, uh, over a particular edge, and I take the maximum for all possible edge of that quantity. So with the values I have here, is that quantity here. Now once I have this Poincaré uh, coefficient, essentially what the paper shows here is that an upper bound on the second eigenvalue is simply 1 minus 1 over this coefficient here. So what I can do in analyzing the different gossip algorithm is simply trying to find a way to compute these different elements for the gossip algorithm and in the construction to have an overlay network where I compute these elements. What I'm interested for these different elements is two things, is to have this k uh, <coughs> as small as possible. To have this as small as possible, I should have the sum as small as possible, so few edges 
and the element pi as uh, large as possible in order to have the one over this quantity as small as possible. So a lot, these elements represent the amount of exchanges I have between node i and node i1, between node i1 and node i2 and so on. If I frequent exchanges, essentially the information diffuses rapidly, these elements will be large. If I have a path that has many such edges, then essentially I need to add all these things, all these elements, and I will have uh, a low uh, value here. So let's see how it applies. It's going to be clear uh, on uh, the different gossip algorithms we have seen so far. The first one is the pairwise gossip. So I remind you that it's the uh, algorithm where nodes exchange only between pairs. If I compute that, I see that my averaging cost essentially scales as n square, where n is the number of nodes. And how we can retrieve these results? Well, if I have a lattice, and I see that I have a node here, the only overlay edges that I can use are the nodes where I have indeed communications between, uh, direct communication between node i and another node. Since uh, I have pairwise gossip on a lattice, a node here will only compute pairwise averages with its direct neighbors. So these are the only nodes uh, I have. So if I would like to have uh, the edges in my overlay networks, they coincide in this case with the edges in my underlay. And so if I would like to compute the Poincaré coefficient uh, from the, all the edges, so the, 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 the conductance between i and j here, what I need to do is essentially construct a path that goes from i to j that takes all these overlay edges. And so in this case here, that's the only possibility I have. That's the, the edge in the path. Now, if I look at the, the value of the pij, I can use only these edges here, but the value of pij is large. Why? Because these nodes exchange very frequently data with each other. A node wakes up, picks one of its four neighbors, so they exchange data with each other one times out of four each time they wake up. So the, the updates are extremely frequent between neighboring nodes. And if I do that, so I have, uh, that's essentially the, the portrait I have between two nodes, so I can exchange data between i and j, but at a rate which is very high using multiple edges. So if I look at the, the, the sum here, what I have is essentially values of these coefficients, which are large. These coefficients represent the rate at which data exchange between pairs of nodes. But what plays a role against me is the fact that between two nodes taken arbitrarily at random in my lattice, the number of such terms is large. It's typically scaling as square root of n if I take two uh, nodes which are pretty far away. And so if I put these two together, I have a value of k of kappa which is pretty large, and therefore uh, I have a second eigenvalues uh, here with an upper bound that remains, unfortunately, uh, still quite close to 1. In Another algorithm where, uh, that has been proposed uh, in 2006 is called geographic gossip. Essentially, the problem of the previous one is that you have diffusion of these averages, but very locally. And so you have a diffusion process that takes time to do, like the heat equation, like all these equations. So an alternative was to pick a node which is not necessarily your neighbor, 
but are not uniformly at random through the whole network. Say you pick, uh, and actually you pick uh, a node 2, and so what you do is essentially you transfer information 12, the value 12 to that node. That node had, sorry, had value 2 here, so 12 plus 2 <coughs> divided by 2 makes 7, and then you bring back the same information and have 7 here. That's called geographic gossip. It's again a symmetric uh, algorithm, except that now the averaging takes place between two nodes uniformly at random in the network and not only between two direct neighbors. And doing that, the consensus cost, or the averaging cost, I should be precise here, decreases by a factor of square root of n uh, log n. And how uh, to, to see that in the proof? Well, here the difference is in the overlay network. Before we had only communications, so averaging, that could take place between neighboring nodes. Now I can have averaging that takes place between a node and any other node taken uniformly at random. So I can see that I have uh, an overlay edge between any pairs of nodes, uh, i and g. And so I can construct overlay paths that are just direct paths, one hop path from node i to node g. So what I have here is a sum of terms which is very small, actually. There's only one term. I have a direct exchange between node i and node j. And so the expected value w of ij will be very large if they talk to each other often. And in pairwise gossip, a node on the lattice can talk only to its four neighbors. So they talk very, very often. So w i j for j, one of the neighbors of i, will be very high on average. But for, neighbor, for, for, for these nodes that are not the neighbors, they never talk to each other. So the, there is no edge because there is one. Now, you would like eventually to have diffusion throughout the network. And to use the diaconist bound, essentially, what he says is that you can design yourself a, a set of overlay edge just for the construction of your proof. What you need to have is that between node i and node k, for example, you can use only the edges, so your overlay edge must be made of physical edges, a little bit like an IP links is made of physical uh, links, and the throughput, if you want, of each of the link is essentially what you get from the PIG. And the, the, the bound on the eigenvalues will be good if each of the PIG is large, you have a lot of exchange on the N, the number of edges used on the path is small. That gives usually very loose bounds, as Ken was, was mentioning to me. What we have at our advantages is that how we construct these overlay edges is up to you. you, can, you the, the, the edges, the, the red edges that are given to you by the diagram, but on the proof you can put the overlay edges the way you want. And so for example, in the, previous, in the two previous case, uh, sorry, I go up, took, took, took the path, Okay, so that's, that's the thing here. So in the, pre in the first case here, check, oh, okay. So in the first case here, I have only the edges which are the, the, the same as the physical edges, but with high throughput on them. Except that if I take two nodes which are far away, I need to pile many of them on any path, typically of the order of square root of n. And that's where I lose in the proof a lot. It's not so much I have a lot of transfer, but I need to diffuse a lot 
very slowly. If I take the other example, the geographic gossip, which was proposed later, is just the, the reverse. So this one. Oops. So this one, I have overlay edges, since I do an averaging, direct averaging between node i and j, which are very far away, I do have paths which are very short in the overlay edges. But here they all have, I mean, there's no point in, in making complex routing because what I have is a path, essentially, I average one out of n times with that node j. If I use another path and then connect to that one, it will be exactly the same magnitude, one out of n plus one out of n, so I have two out of n, I don't improve things. So I basically use the only overly pass systems I can reconstruct is that one. And so there I have just a reverse situation, direct path, but very, very low frequency. If I, if I think of airplanes or of commuting, traveling between two points, the first case would be I travel and I have many commuter trains every 10 minutes but between neighboring cities, and I need to change of commuter trains, everything. Here I have infrequent trains between two cities. Uh, they are very only once a day, but then there are direct trains. I don't need to change between the two destinations. And, and that's, that's the point right this. Hope it's, it's, it's clear. And then the last one is the geographic gossip. So essentially, it's an idea that comes to mind. If you are going to average these two guys, why don't you compute the average of all the guys that you use as really? It's a natural observation. And if you do that, I oh know, so it's, it's not yet for this one. Let me go, let me jump here. So that's the geographic gossip. Okay, tech, 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 tech. So this one, you average on the path. And since it's symmetric, you can average the, there between the different paths. So essentially, it's still a symmetric gossip algorithm, except that the number of nodes involved is larger. It essentially depends on how long the path is uh, between the nodes i and j where you compute things. But the nice thing is that now the averaging cost is of order of n log n. And if you know the coupon collector problem, you'll have anyway a log n factor just to the fact that you, you try to collect different values and this log n you need to pay for the randomness. Uh, a deterministic algorithm would have order of n number of messages uh, of a cost to collect all the information. So we are very close to the optimal, to the centralized optimal one. And how can we compute this using the, 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 the previous method? Well, here we have again the edges that I have in my overlay network, so the, the, the red ones. Again, I pick nodes everywhere uniformly at random in the network. Except that by averaging over all the nodes on the path, nodes which are close to this node here will be on many paths. And so I have here edges with large capacity, and then if you want the capacity decreases as I pick nodes which are very far away. Nodes which are, for example, in the corner here will be involved only if they are chosen themselves as destination. Nodes in between will be involved when they are taken as destination or if they lie on a path essentially where they need to relay the information. So we combine a little bit the best of both algorithms. And if you do that with the Iconist algorithm, actually you have some freedom in computing now the overlay path. And the optimal system is not to take direct edges. Why? Because for the, the nodes which are very far away, you will have two small values, but to take two edges. So essentially you have two overlay, sorry, two overlay paths. 
two volley, so path made of two volley edges. And so with that, on each of these paths, since they are only, I mean, they use uh, uh, edges which have, which have a high uh, exchange rate, high diffusion, they have, uh, they have still good throughput and you just take two of them. So if you look back to the diaconist work, essentially the number of terms you have is limited. You have only two per path instead of one, so you don't degrade too much things compared to the first method. But the coefficient here, the pi, are quite, uh, quite large compared to the previous case. And so in this case, you get, uh, 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 that's how we could get an upper bound on the second value and therefore on the consensus time and cost, which was uh, very tight. And so if you run this on a random geometry graph, which has some regular property I will not exchange here. So if, if you want the, if you take a node i and a node j at some distance j, if you compute the value of one entry of this p matrix in pairwise gossip, nearest neighbor gossip, essentially you have very high value provided j is very close and almost zero everyone else. If you take the geographic gossip, essentially it's the reverse. Every node j has as much averaging with node i, except that it's small for everyone. And if you take the, the path averaging, it's a little bit the best of both worlds, because the nodes which are very far away, okay, should not have drawn that, and, I mean, it's, it's above zero, you have some averaging which is more important as you get close to the, to the source here, and that gives the ideal mix between fast, diffusion, fast local diffusion and uh, slow long-range exchanges. Uh, which are just uh, naturally bound here. And so if I do uh, uh, some simulation, it will work. So this simulation compares, so I have a random geometry graph. I have each node here is, uh, so each cell is the Voronoi tessellation of this random geometry graph. So each of the cells represents one node. And uh, here I started with initial values which are just zero or ones. And eventually what you want is everyone to have the same grayscale uh, just by uh, diffusion. This will be pairwise, so the slow diffusion process. This will be geographic gossip, the second solution. And uh, both simulations will run for the same amount of time. So this one and this one. Okay, and so they, they, they will stop uh, principal more or less at the same time. Now you see that there is a difference between this one is diffusing locally mainly and that's why you still see that there's some part which is darker than the other one just because of the local diffusion whereas this one is the geographic gossip so one of the nodes here wakes up contact one of the other nodes uniformly at random and these two exchange their data and so it's much uniform. You see that this one is faster than the previous one. We, we gain a factor of uh, square root of n log n between the two. Now if I go between geographic gossip and path averaging, and I do the same, so that's between the second and the third one, there you see that you have some local diffusion that, that helps smooth things while having long distance uh, communications, whereas on the left panel here you Okay, the, the two simulations stop exactly at the same point. You see that some cells have not yet been able to communicate much with others and keep their value uh, because of that. And so if I recap for this part, the averaging cost, so essentially, 
between the three variants of the different algorithm, well, you can go down from n square to n log n using this distributed algorithm, so a symmetric gossip algorithm. If you wanted to push the limit, well, you're very close to it because the averaging cost, at least in terms of order, is order of n because you have n nodes. Each of them needs to talk at least once in order to exchange the value uh, in such a, such a system. So uh, you are very close to what you could do uh, for a, a symmetric algorithm. Now something which is very exciting, very difficult, uh, in practice if you think of recommender systems or many, many systems, you, you have in a distributed way or social network, data that are exchanged not exactly in a symmetric fashion. You, you might have that this guy recommend an article from this one, but not necessarily that this guy immediately reciprocate by recommending. And so you would like to have an algorithm where you don't necessarily root back the information exactly on the same path. And the question is, can you do one-way averaging? So for example, node 12 would contact node 2, and essentially, node 2 would have the average of the four guys, but each of the nodes on the way would have only the average between themselves and the first node here. And it's only done one way, so actually the source doesn't change its state. That is something which is appealing because you don't need symmetric routing, you, you, you just have this information diffusing slowly. Now, this is difficult to, to analyze. One algorithm uh, which served for us as, as an inspiration is the push sum algorithm by Kempe uh, and his co-author in 2003. Essentially here you need to maintain two states and I'll explain why two states instead of one. So essentially we have uh, a first state S of t which is a vector of partial sums. So we sum all the terms encountered so far and W of t which is the weight. Essentially, we need to divide this sum by some weights in order to have the local average between these two. And so doing the, the ratio between the sum up to node i and the weight up to node i, we have xi of t, which is uh, indeed the local average uh, at time t. If we do that, we see that we can recast that as uh, under this equation, but the, the W of t is actually cheating a bit because the W depends on the state variable uh, omega of t. So it's not uh, really a W of t, which is a set <coughs> of ID matrices. And the main problem is that the two conditions for convergence cannot be satisfied at the same time. In the symmetric case, we had that one was both a, a right and left eigenvector of W of t. If I don't have a symmetric uh, gossip algorithm, I no longer have that property. What is even worse, I don't even have that in expectation. So I need other tools to study such, such algorithm, even for the convergence, not only for the time for convergence, but just for the convergence. We have uh, uh, a paper um, where essentially we show that we have almost true convergence without any indication of the time for convergence if the original matrix W prime of t which is used to compute the partial sums and partial weights uh, is a primitive uh, matrix uh, uh, and so that means essentially that every uh, node connects infinitely often to the different network and that's the gain you have 
between one-way path averaging and two-way path averaging, so you decrease uh, the cost, of course, because you don't need to root back that information. And essentially, what, why it's appealing is that it's because if node i averages its value with node j, later on node j will find a way to root back the information to node i, maybe in a very indirect fashion. Uh, but you cannot maintain that iteration after iteration. It's really on the long term that it will pay off uh, and that it will be interesting uh, to, to do it. Now, the last, I, I, I hope I, I, is 10 minutes, is it still okay or? Okay, so I'll go very quickly from gossip to voting. You see that it's simpler to expose at least for voting. So here in distributed averaging, uh, essentially I had analog values. Uh, in voting, I have essentially opinions, uh, uh, red and green, and I'm interested in uh, finding uh, the majority vote. So I would like everyone to be in this picture uh, green, given that there are five green and four votes. But again, the same rules, I, can, I, I have only local communications in that system. And so I have an, an iterative system distributed and uh, I want to have convergence with majority vote. Now it's, it's a cellular automaton, so it's, it's a function of the, the vote. The state is only 0 and 1 in this, uh, this scenario here. Uh, so instead of having an analog value, that would be one way to do. Of course, is if I had uh, states which were analog valued, I would just compute the averaging algorithm. If the average is below 0.5, the red would win. If it is about 0.5, the uh, green would win, knowing that the initial states would be just 0 and 1s. The trick is people want to try this by keeping the states binary. So at every iteration, the state is only 0 on 1 throughout the process. And that is very difficult. Actually, there is a paper uh, in the case of a synchronous algorithm that proves that there is no cellular automaton that can solve this exactly. So you, you cannot find, if you restrict uh, the state <coughs> to be 0 and 1, uh, uh, in the synchronized case at least, uh, uh, an algorithm that will work with uh, such a solution. So how can you do? Well, one way to do would be, instead of working with analog value, to quantize all these values on a certain number of bits, and if you have enough quantization levels, then you can ensure that, you know, if, if typically you have log n a quantization level, the average will be between two levels that are essentially are both red or green, and you would do the same job as for a continuous value, but that would require to have states on log n bits. So still you would have memory that grows with the size of the network in a logarithmic fashion. That would work. The question is, uh, to do that with a, a number of bits that does not grow with the size of the network. So you can clearly, you need more than two. And so the next question is to find if I have two bits instead of one, four quantization levels, am I able to solve the voting problem exactly with probability one? And the answer is one, is yes. And the trick is essentially to work by interval, we call this uh, consensus, uh, inter interval consensus problem. The, the way it works is as follows. So the value can be either uh, uh, c so regular single state, that would be 0 and 1, or threshold. The threshold are essentially the value that separates. Here it's simply one half. 
the, uh, the two votes. And so I have one, two values, two states if you want, both are uh, one half plus and one half minus. And so I have two intervals, which are these two, node i and j communicate. And <coughs> essentially I have a few rules, uh, which will be better illustrated on the drawing, where essentially when two nodes talk to each other, depending on the four states of one of the four states they occupy, I will have a simple rule uh, for exchange of the data. So if two nodes, one with a, a vote one and the other one with a red vote, meet and exchange uh, their value, essentially what they will do is go to the state one, one of the state which is one half, because that represents, that doesn't change the average vote, essentially there is one half for both, but you want to swap their polarity. So the one which was a red will become an, uh, a green guy, the one which is a green will become a red one, with a value one half plus, one half minus. And you have a few uh, meetings possible, that would be between someone which is green with a value one meeting someone which is red with value one half, then they will again swap, there's still the same average, one is one and the other one is one half, but the, the one essentially you try to swap the two polarity and you continue like this as much as possible. If two green guy meet and they have value one and one half, well they will switch their, their different values and so on and so on. So having this kind of, of uh, rules, essentially what you want is that the algorithm converges to an interval where the average is located, and, uh, okay, you can do that with many other values, uh, so you could compute that for a large uh, number of uh, functions just by defining your intervals. So here I just speak of the, of the consensus vote, so we could speak of quorum or two-third majority, I'm going to, to skip that. But essentially the point is that the algorithm has converged if and only if the nodes have all the states that are uh, equal, so uh, everyone has exactly the same value, or consecutive. So it would be exactly, uh, you know, some are one, some are one half plus, some are one half plus, one half minus, if there is exactly the same number of positive and uh, of, of green votes and red votes, or uh, nodes would have between uh, one half minus and zero if uh, the <coughs> majority of initial votes were on the red zone. And so if I do that, actually there is a finite time, so after which all the nodes have with probability one state in the interval that contains the average. So you are for sure with probability one that the algorithm will converge to the right uh, to the right color. Actually, uh, you can even compute, uh, that's done by uh, Dreyf and Milan Vojnovic, uh, the uh, bound on the expected time uh, for convergence uh, and for synchronous interval consensus algorithm, the convergence for this kind of algorithm has also been shown quite, uh, quite recently. You can even extend that for multiple colors, so you could have three or four different votes and try to find the majority of the votes. The whole thing is to design the little rules. Essentially, you need to keep the average through the iteration because you don't want to change the majority at some point in time. So that's why at each iteration you keep the average. But you would like to mix things in order to avoid that some portion, for example, 
of the graph, which would be very yellow, and some other portion which would be purple, have a line front where essentially locally you have many purple, many yellow, and locally the average is only will not change anything. So you need this swapping of the plus and minus polarity in order for this information to travel through the network. And if if because if you don't have that. Essentially, you might have a front where essentially you have a one-line front where uh, there's the majority, the local majority is always green, and another front where just in front the local majority is always red, and these two will not mix each other. And so essentially it will stabilize in a, in a stable state, which is spurious stable state that does not evolve uh, any, any longer. And so if you define cellular automata, that's the one for the binary, you can define them also for the uh, other colors. Let me just skip. But so the idea is always if, for example, a blue guy means a, a green guy, they keep their average opinion. So the average opinion remains the same. They are shared between green and blue. But they change their polarity in order to be sure that everyone has seen other green and blue opinion through the network. These two ingredients are important to, so first one, to maintain the average uh, vote throughout the, uh, the whole network, so you keep the same majority, and be sure that the information diffuses everywhere. And so that would be the same. So this would be, for example, a, a, a task which is pretty challenging for voting. You see here that we start with an initial vote of four colors. The majority are the yellow. But you see that it's, they are not randomly distributed. They are very uh, uh, localized in four regions of the network. And so typically what you might have is that locally, see for example the blue here will remain blue because they have enough blue around them. And so you might have uh, that the situation is frozen here if you use only if you don't use enough bits for transferring the different, uh, the different data. You need a sufficient number of bits and this priority to have uh, the vote running uh, throughout the, the network. And so if you do that, um, what you want to have at the end is that all uh, the cells are of the same color, either uh, dark or light, so in, in yellow here, so these would be yellow and this would be just the interval, so a light yellow and a dark yellow, uh, just because they are on the same, uh, the same interval. Okay, so what have I covered here? The first one is uh, asynchronous continuous value consensus. So essentially there I have a linear uh, random time varying system. Uh, con conditions for convergence are well known, uh, at least sufficient conditions in the case of a symmetric gossip algorithm, so where I have two nodes talking to each other and averaging their values uh, with, the, uh, with each other, or possibly a number of nodes S of T, but all of them averaging their value uh, at the same time. And so what we have seen is essentially all sufficient conditions are met. And so the only thing to check is that the uh, EW uh, is primitive. So that's, that's the, the only thing to, to verify. And then, uh, <coughs> and then the, uh, the conversion speed so is dictated essentially by the second value of this primitive 
uh, matrix and we have seen how to use the Poincaré inequality to compute the averaging or consensus cost and uh, the optimal cost with uh, an almost other optimal or other optimal if I consider only the class of distributed algorithm uh, path averaging algorithm. The, the interesting topic is to move to asymmetric gossip algorithm. The challenging part is that this condition here is no longer uh, valid, so we do not cons conserve the average through the iterations, and so that, uh, that is an additional challenge uh, to find, uh, so to, to, to explore for such, uh, such algorithm. For the voting algorithm, essentially we have seen an algorithm that solves binary voting exactly with uh, two bits, uh, because if we look one for one, we wouldn't find one. Uh, uh, and we can extend it to two, three, four votes. That's the number of states we have found uh, to be sufficient to solve this problem. We don't know the, the number of states which are uh, necessary for such states. Uh, for three and four, uh, you could maybe use fewer states. It's an open question to know if you have C votes, how many states you would need in order to solve the voting problem if you have C color uh, that are possible in your system. The time of convergence is studied also. There is also, uh, I mean, you, this is a class of problem, as I said, that, that is canonical for many other problems. So for example, you could do some ranking. So if you have C votes and you try to find the top K votes, which would do typically for a recommender system, uh, then you can extend such algorithm as well uh, for, for these systems uh, as well. And so with that, I will conclude here. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, it does affect. I mean, so we, we worked only on, so on lattice or random geometric graph where the, the connectivity radius is square root of n log n multiplied by constant c. So we need, obviously, to have the random graph fully connected. Uh, <coughs> but we need even more than fully connected in order to, to have the conditions. We need some regularity. So if we, we divide the plane in boxes, we need to be sure there's one node in every such such box. So it has to be to be connected and even more than connected to be regular. So close to a lattice, a lattice uh, structure. Uh, we, I don't know how it would be with uh, because the so I, I didn't explain that. I mean, essentially on path and geographic gossip. Said okay, two nodes communicate with each other uniformly at random. Actually, they don't pick in a random geometric graph a node uniformly at random because you would need to have some sort of global knowledge. You pick a position uniformly at random in the plane. And then you will send data, if you want, towards that point and stop to the nearest point, to the nearest node of that point. And so for that, uh, you need to be sure that in every square, of in every little square of size, uh, square root of log n log n, there is at least one node which is not, uh, not too far. And so that's why it's a random geometric graph, which is fully connected, but 
even with more than a condition of, of uh, full connectivity to be sure that there is uh, some regularity on the, the different. Yeah, so that's one question which is trying to say over so it's the la these last graphs and then this class of random geometric graphs you can prove these things with. Yes. They, for that uh, lemma by Derek Thomas and so on hold, do you need, does that apply to any stochastic thing or what? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, uh, so the Diaconis paper is, I mean, the, the nice things I think for the design of algorithm is right now all the algorithm is always like, this is the, if you want the matrix W, and then we analyze it. We, we are very far from what would be the best matrix W that you, that you, you could pick uh, given the graph. I mean, that's, that's, that's something which is uh, very hard. I think what we have found is that this, this uh, paper of 91 was very useful as a step to, to design this. So far, we use it only in the proofs. I mean, essentially, you need to bounce and uh, but probably as a tool for the design of, of, of fast gossip algorithm, given a graph, probably that <laughs> could be used. Yes? Uh, this uh, walking algorithm that you discussed at the end, yes. I can ask what are the possible applications of, of this algorithm in networks? Or ah, um, so, well, typically, I mean, if you, so the voting itself, I mean, zero ones is probably not uh, not not a, not a very uh, interesting uh, algorithm. If you go, for example, for the the extension by uh, uh, Milan uh, Vojnovic, uh, where he computes the top k items, for example, out of, out of a list of c, there clearly it's if you have a, a, a distributed recommender system. It's very close to, to see what kind of, I mean, would, would, for example, if you implement that on, on a, in a distributed fashion, uh, so you have uh, your recommender system, will it converge to in, indeed the same result as a centralized algorithm or not? Uh, did you consider, for example, a human network in mind when you were yeah. this? Because in that case, uh, my opinion seems that your assumptions are uh, a bit flawed because. You can say that if there is a uh, connection between two nodes, one is zero, the other is, is one, they jump. The zero jumps to uh, one half plus, one jumps to one half minus. But the, at least my impression is that the human beings are not that rational. Oh, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean that, that it represents the way... I, 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 and and uh, I mean, if... if if, if you had an initial... At, at, at time zero, uh, you do a poll and... Uh, you know exactly the majority, the majority does not evolve, probably we don't have many com political campaigns or anything to try to, to convince people to, to change their mind. So, so here, you know, I, I don't mean that the voting, I mean, it would correspond to any voting process, uh, you know, like for the referendum, for a referendum or, or anything like that. The, the, the question is, is more in these, um, so, so if, if I take the, the, yeah, the, the, oops. Why is it? Okay, the, 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 okay, yeah, it's too far away. Uh, if, if I, if I take the, um, so, so the, the voting, so essentially you, I have an opinion, green or, 
or, or say everyone here in the room has an opinion, red or green. And, uh, okay, everyone writes it on the paper, that's the vote, but somehow you don't want to have someone collecting all the built-in the, 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 and, and computing what is the majority. You're just allowed to talk to your neighbor uh, and okay, you, you trust your neighbor, you don't trust anyone else beyond your neighbors, you, you are ready to give, to say what is the, the color of your vote to your neighbor and only to your neighbor. <coughs> and everyone can do, does that. Can we have, at the end of the day, everyone knowing whether the majority was red or green? And it turns out that if you just say, if you just have states on one bit, so red or green, well, it might, what, what is going to happen very often, so first, the majority cannot be preserved, and what happens very often is say, um, if I divide here the room in two, maybe here's all red, here's all green, and then people will agree, we keep the red one here, people will locally agree, keep the green here, and at the boundary, we have more neighbors on green, they have more neighbors on red, just, and so the, the front will remain the same. So the majority, the vote has not changed, but everyone keeps red or green, and you don't know what is the majority. You need an extra information, and so one is to keep, so not to modify the global average, so if one is red, the other one is green, you, you, you want to, in the counting system, to be sure you don't change that, but you want to be sure that you don't block this information at some point. So by changing this polarity, you will, so the value one, one half, zero, will keep the, the majority vote to be the same as the initial vote, and the plus or minus will make sure that eventually everyone will diffuse its information in multiple steps, because at some point you will have a minus, and then this will continue to get into it. It, it defreezes this front, this front line. And so that's why you need essentially two bits one for the value to be sure you preserve the vote, you don't, because otherwise you change the, the and the other one uh, to diffuse information and avoid that in some particular, so the challenging topologies typically are the ones on the circle where you just have two neighbors and where it's, I mean, the diffusion process is very, very slow uh, for, that, uh, for that reason. But it doesn't mean that it represents the, uh, I will claim the, uh, the vote. It's more counting the votes than voting itself. Yeah, since you are saying counting the votes, um, uh, two questions. One is why you need a tiny number of states, and the second one is the natural thing is since the global average is a rational number, right? you can just count and keep no. the integers. Of course. You could do, so, so as I said, I mean, if you have log n, so if we have n participants, and everyone is ready not to send two bits to his neighbor, but log n bits, then it's clear you send your login and, and then you will you will have that you, you, you come you look at the average you obtain and it will be within a quantization interval that, that, that gives you the truth. The thing is that you need a memory because we have login different values. So say if you have one thousand participants you probably need to take note on the, I mean you, you need a memory scaling increasing the size of the network and you need messages that also take log n bits because you, you have this information quantized and log n the, the, Our question was more how, what is the minimum amount of memory you need to have per node and what is the minimum size 
of the messages you need to have in order <coughs> to be able to find information, which eventually is only one and, and zero. So, so it, it, that, was, that was more the, um, the case. Perhaps we leave it there. The, the, the rest of the day and all tomorrow, so please feel free to go on.